Hello, it is Monday, August 30th, 2021. I can't thank you enough for allowing us to penetrate your ear holes on this gorgeous Monday. I'm back today, chit-chatting with the boys, having a conversation with Jay Cutler about his new podcast, Uncut with Jay Cutler, and everything else happening in his life. Charles Robinson stops by with some inside information from Yahoo Sports, and I give a little update on where I am, how I am, and where the world is hopefully headed. Let's have a good time today. Can't thank you enough for this. If you enjoy the show by the end of it, please be a friend, tell a friend. If not, just act like it never happened. Let's get to it, Ty. Today's show is going to be fucking impeccable. Woo! At Ty Schmidt, at Boston Connor, sitting at the toxic table. Boys, how you doing? Doing great, Pat. And more so than that, it's great to have you back. You look like you're doing well. You're feeling yeah. well. We feel whole again. It's nice. I mean, we, you know, the toxicity can only last so long when we don't have you sitting up here. So it's good to have you back and, and you feeling better. It has been fantastic to be away from your guys' toxic day to day here for a few days. At Boston Connor, I see you wearing your brand new jersey. How many days from the NFL season are we at Boston Connor? We are Mac Jones days away, Pat. Ten to be specific. I am absolutely juiced. Just saw him release a nice little commercial first post since the draft. He doesn't go on social media much. We are officially on Team Noble. Noble for the entire season. Let's go. <laughs> I don't know what Noble is. I always thought that Me was neither. potentially like The Rock shit. That's not The Rock stuff, or that is The Rock no, stuff? No, it's like is that a, a different company. I don't think it is The Rock stuff. It's like big in the um, the fitness world. The uh, oh, yeah. the um, what's the that world where they like just jumping jacks all day long and then CrossFit, CrossFit that world. Boom. Yeah. Okay. At Tone Diggs, also <laughs> big in the CrossFit world, <laughs> as you can tell, super fitness guy. Um, I will give you an update here. Uh, Jay, good to see you, by the way, back here in the glass. Good to see you, too, brother. Good to see you, too. Looking good. Uh, Zito, thank you. Uh, Foxy, Bill, everybody in the back. Nick, can't thank you guys enough for all the support. Uh, at Bubba Gumpino was either swimming in some something, uh, whatever the case. He is, he'll be home for the next 10 days, I believe, yeah. if the text message I got. So I'll tease and peas to at Bubba Gumpino. Uh, all the boys have continued to test negative, which is great news. My wife is now on day three here of battling against old Uncle COVID. I think she's potentially almost through the thick of it. I'm out of the deep shit, which I'm very thankful for. Uh, my fever broke three days ago. The aches stopped at the same time as that. The chills disappeared as well. I still have some congestion and some shit that's coming out of my body that I've never seen before. We're talking big old <laughs> to get out of there, but by all accounts, I'm about out of the woods on this thing, and I'm very thankful. My wife, hopefully, is only a day or two behind me. It's just uh, from everything I've been reading, now I've been I've been receiving a lot of visceral. Um, huh. Huh. Good word, from, by the way. Thank you. Come through COVID, you know, I, I read the dictionary a couple of times, maybe pick up some new words, <laughs> you know, yeah. new words. But we've been talking about the COVID from the very beginning and the, the vaccination and everything, basically. And I've been pretty steadfast on the fact that this is not just a political party thing. OK, a lot of people think like oh, one in most things that are political. There's one side that is on the right side, and then there's uh, on the left side. And then they just sit there and yell at each other. And I think the interesting thing about this whole thing with the vax and the COVID rollout and everything like that is there's people on both parties that hate each other. 
Yep, okay, yeah. so this isn't just necessarily a party thing. This is a, a big issue. You're either a pro-vax or an anti-vax, or you're a COVID promoter, or you're uh, somebody who um, doesn't believe COVID even exists, okay? So I, and this is not me saying this, I'm just observing and reporting that these are the humans that are out there. I have somehow managed in my battle with this particular COVID for the last few days to piss off everybody. (laughs) The people that are the, the the people that are the big COVID backers, uh, like, uh, not backers, but you get it. Like the people that have been, take it very seriously, very serious. They're mad at me because I'm not taking it serious enough. I'm tweeting. I'm still posting. I'm talking about it. I made an appearance on the show. They're mad at me because I'm giving off the appearances. It's not as as bad as it is. Let me tell you, 104 and a half degree fever. I'm not sure how much fucking worse it could be. I was close to brain damage having that happen. I just choose to enjoy my life no matter what's going on, even though I will say COVID has been an absolute fucking miserable bitch to deal with. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those people are mad at me because I wasn't taking it serious enough in their eyes. Okay. Then there was other, the other side was mad at me because they don't even believe COVID exists. So the fact that I was even saying, hey, I got this. This is what I'm experiencing. This is what my life is like. They're mad at me as well. So it seems like in getting sick, I did piss off everybody. Another day in the life, happy to be okay. And from what I read, it seems like I think everybody on earth is going to be getting this thing. I'm not 100% sure. I'm not 100% sure. But from what I've read... It feels like this Delta variant, in which they said does spread as fast as possible, is going to spread as fast as possible. And I think this is something that we're all going to have to deal with. Hopefully, if you're vaccinated, you'll deal with it a lot easier and better. Uh, and if you're not vaccinated, do whatever the fuck you got to do. Your life just might be absolutely miserable. I would recommend, because I still have my taste. I still have my smell. I'm four days, five days removed from this thing. I feel good. I would not go back and change anything aside from whoever the fuck gave me COVID. I would have stepped <laughs> yeah, away. Absolutely. Uh, can't thank you all enough for, you know, kind of lifting me up when I was down. All the tweets, all the texts, all the messages, all the DMs. You guys doing the show, you have no idea. Watching the show uh, from the COVID cave was a great sense of relief and, um, you know, like a little mental vacation for me. So I appreciate you guys so much. But it is great to fucking feel where I feel right now as opposed to how I felt a couple of days ago. Great to have Hell you back, yeah. Pat. Good to have you back, Pat. Feels like a real show again. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? AJ's not going to be here because he's at a golf outing. Oh, jeez. This guy. This what, he's got one every guy, goddamn dude. week. Well, he's trying to save the world. You know, that's what he's got to do. He's got to save the world, and hopefully he'll be able to do that. We will take some phone calls. one 833 4 Go ahead and call the 5-Hour Energy phone line. Can't wait to chat with the people. Uh, and by the way, I, I thought about the phone lines, you know, a lot. Yeah. I've thought about a lot while you're kind of – like, I'm on house arrest right now. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I'm – I'm on house arrest right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Martha Stewart. My wife and I – I mean, Martha, a little bit different. She got rich off of the reason why she got house arrest. <laughs> yeah. True. You know, I, I kind of, much different. But I get it. Yeah, very similar. I don't have an ankle bracelet on. and mm-hmm. I didn't just be friends Snoop because of it. But <laughs> I, I, I've had to think about a lot of things. The phone calls, I'm going to be nicer to these callers. Uh, really? really? That's you not sure? what should happen. positive? Yeah, well, I was positive, and that led to me being house arrest, and then that led to me thinking, I'm going to be a little bit more positive with these callers, I think. I'm going to give them a little bit more of a chance. I'm going to let them go ahead and breathe and talk, and that's going to be the new me out here whenever I handle the 5-hour energy phone line. Sound like it? 
Yeah, well, to counteract it. That's to, the way to yeah, go. Yeah, to counteract it, can you bring the hammer very swiftly and hardly when these people do inevitably, you know, drag on and give 15 shout outs and ask for a happy birthday? Yeah, and then, by the way, if we tell them to shut the fuck up, nobody wants to hear it, then we're the terrible people, and not them ruining our show, by the way. No, 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 not the people that we have built up this show, literally, minute, minute, hour, mile, 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 build this thing up so you can come on and shit all over it and be terrible and make our show come to an exact halt because you want to give a shout out to somebody we don't even know if they're real or not. True. But we're mean because we're not nice... You know what? Maybe I'll play it by ear. I had a lot of thoughts maybe during this COVID cave that won't be uh, real. For instance, I was going to start working out every morning. This morning, guess what? Didn't start. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't start, so maybe it'll start next week. It is something, though, whenever you're locked in your house and you're not allowed to leave. And for the first few days, my wife and I, we were trying to quarantine away from each other. We made a mistake. We made a fatal mistake. Uh, We moved something. Uh, in that particular something, I guess there wasn't an immediate hand wash afterwards. It was almost like she knew to immediately. She was like, oh, no, I shouldn't have done that. She got the next day. She's out of there. So there's been a lot of like hanging out, me and the wife here, you know, in her miserable times mm-hmm. and everything like that. I think we need to continue to enjoy life, though. Yep. I think that is something we have to continue to do. Life gets put into perspective whenever your life gets kind of taken from you. And by that, I don't mean me losing my life, but I can't even go outside without feeling as if I'm fucking up or letting somebody down or potentially putting somebody in incredible danger. And I don't want them to have to go through what I'm going through. We just need to continue to enjoy life, make sure this show remains a mental vacation for people. And let's try to you know, embrace the fact that there's a lot more good out there than negative, and we need to continue to look for it. So that's what we'll continue to do out here. Um, cannot wait to chat about all the things happening in the NFL because there's a lot going on. We'll talk about the Indianapolis Colts. Just uh, mm. what the fuck, dude? Oh, jeez. Uh-oh. What do you want, uh, Ollie? Oh, man. You, are you kidding me? I was through the roof when I woke up on Sunday and saw T.Y. I was out. Not because of T.Y. I love T.Y. But that means the Colts aren't going to be as good if he's not on the field. I mean... Happy day, Pat. Uh, at Boston Connor, Jeez. what he was referring to the there is uh, the fact that T.Y. Hilton will not be in for the first couple games of the NFL season. But Frank Reich said something that made me fear that it's not just a couple games. Yeah. Frank Reich said he's optimistic that this isn't season ending. Okay, so if he was optimistic that this isn't season ending, at least he's putting into the world that there's a chance that this could have been season ending. I guess it's a couple discs in his neck have been dislodged. Anytime you got a disc talk or a neck talk, never good. Especially whenever it's the guy, the weapon on your offensive side of the ball, especially somebody that has had an incredible connection with Carson Wentz very quickly in this offense. This NFL team and the Indianapolis Colts are ready to go on a run. The team is loaded. The defense ready to fucking go. Special teams ready to to go. They find Carson Wentz, pay him $100 million. They trade for him out of Philadelphia. Everybody's happy. Kumbaya, that big son of a bitch is back. He gets a broken foot somehow. Gets surgery. He's back. Quentin Nelson, he has the same foot surgery. He's back. He gets on the COVID protocol, close for contact. He's back after both of those things. You start thinking to yourself, this is going to be the Colts year. Then all of a sudden, our number one weapon, T.Y. Hilton, who just signed for one year, $10 million, is out indefinitely. Do we have enough weapons? Is this going to revolve back to that question of do we have enough weapons to make a run if we have julio jones on the roster are we as worried with ty hilton being out 
because of this whole situation, I'm not sure. Also, Tackle Tavi, I believe is his name. Yeah, like, yeah. He's out for a season with torn ACL. The injury bug has just ran a train on the Indianapolis Colts so far during this football training camp. And I have no idea what to think. Ian Rappaport is reporting that the Colts have activated guard Quentin Nelson from the reserve COVID-19 list and will practice today. They placed tackle Sam Tevye on IR, and now all eyes are on T.Y. Hilton. Uh, it's a nightmare to be an Indianapolis Colt fan. It seems like every day a new injury comes, a new nightmare, a new big right hook right to the jaw. How we doing? Keep it moving. We could win a Super Bowl, but it fears, I fear that it looks like we're in for another long season of hoping that something good happens. You know, and you know what the thing is, Pat? Like the bad thing is like when teams get the injury bug, it never – it seems like it's an entire season thing. Like this is going to – like the injury bug might be an entire season thing for the Colts. Or maybe – if you look at it optimistically, it is the beginning of the season. We haven't even started yet. Maybe things will get better. Yeah, in the first two weeks for NFC teams, I saw Jeff Saturday talk mm. about this, about how, you know, the first Seattle Seahawks, and then I forget who else, but it's two NFC Rams. teams, basically, yeah. Rams, to start the season off. And Saturday said just use those two NFC games as an extension of the preseason. Let's try to find some time because nobody's been on the field together. No. Nobody's mm-hmm. really been on the field together with injuries. Darius Leonard was even injured early yep. in the NFL in the training camp. So it's just the Colts, you know, made to the playoffs last year. The Colts have a roster ready to go. But the Colts might never get out of the stable because oh. there's just so many fucking injuries happening. <laughs> it's disheartening. I'm not happy about it. Uh, hopefully T.Y.'s okay, by the way, in the grand scheme of things. We hope your neck is all right. We hope everything like that. But I still believe there's going to be chances for us to be missing weapons in Carson Wentz. How good can he be? He's obviously going to be better than he was last year when he had a rugby player blocking for him. The offensive line for the Colts is mm-hmm. good. The running backs are great. Yep. Uh, but I feel like there's a chance we're going to be missing some weapons, especially now without T.Y. It just stinks, too, because the, the couple times we've talked to him in the offseason, like it seemed like he almost had like a new fire burning, kind of. You know, he, he, he had last year where he wasn't really like a decoy, but, you know, we talked about it with him. And like he wasn't the, really the focal point of the offense anymore, and it seemed like he had been building quite a bit of chemistry with Carson and was like very excited for this season. And I think we all expected him to have a pretty massive year and just, you know, the, I mean, to your point, I feel like a neck injury, especially for someone who's so shifty and, and quick like him, like if that's something that lingers all season, even if he does come back, are we going to get the same T.Y. that we would have gotten if this would have never happened? T.Y. is very good at not getting hit, so hopefully that'll be something that'll help him whenever he gets back. One-year deal is on a prove-it deal, so yeah. anytime somebody's on a one-year deal, normally they're going to ball out. Had pretty good market um, interest whenever he was a free agent. The mm-hmm. Ravens offered him. Uh, I believe the Chiefs also. And, uh, mm-hmm. That might have been Juju. Uh, uh, no. The Ravens definitely offered him, though, some other things. He was looking to have a big year, a big bounce-back year. I'm still going to hope for that, but I didn't love hearing Frank Reich say uh, – He's optimistic this isn't season ending because that makes me think like, oh. So that's not a guarantee that it's not season ending. Mm. Right? Yeah, exactly. Especially like you said with like the discs and the neck and the it's back. like good. That stuff lingers, but you got to think, hey, Michael Pittman, here we go, prove it year. And you got Michael Irvin's godson on the team. I mean, that kid might be the steal of the draft. Legit. Paris Campbell is also healthy. Yep. So Strahan, Michael Pittman Jr., you know, I mean, there is Doyle, Jack Doyle. <laughs> yeah. Let's go, huh? Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah, stable running backs. 
Yeah, the running back, Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines. I mean, there's a lot of weapons, and the offense is going to have to be run through that. But anytime you lose T.Y. Hilton, you're not happy about it. The um, Jonathan Taylor, I heard him say, uh, you know, the younger backs are going to do their thing tonight. He's in his second year. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I understand what he was saying, and I appreciate that he's that comfortable and content. But I'm really excited to see what Jonathan Taylor does with a full year starting. Last year, Marlon Mack was getting a lot of the reps early. Then he kind of got hurt. Naheem Hines, they use it as a, a kind of uh, a multiple back set. He could be a real animal, but no T.Y. is no good. Speaking of players getting knocked out for the year in preseason, if you're a Baltimore Ravens fan, oh. you have to be so bummed out. The Baltimore Ravens are obviously one of the most elite preseason football teams in the history of preseason football, winning how many straight? 20. 20 20 straight preseason games. And whenever I say that preseason does not matter, that has to come with some context. I was introduced to the NFL preseason by a regime, a team, that literally said, let's not waste any wins in the preseason. Numerous times going completely defeated throughout the preseason, whenever it was Peyton Manning and Bill Polian's squad there with the Indianapolis Colts. There's reasons behind that, though. The reasons why I believe that the Colts, whenever Bill Polian was running the ship, and also even after that, whenever uh, Chuck Pagano and Grigson were running the ship, what preseason wasn't great is because a lot of the money was spent at the top of the roster. So in preseason, you get a chance to check the depth of teams. Normally, you can also see what special teams are going to be like because the second, third stringers that are playing in those preseason games are normally going to be the people that are eating up the preseason games. So Bill Polian led teams, very top-heavy, a lot of money in the starters, not a lot of money in the backups. So whenever preseason football came, normally it was a complete shit show. What the Baltimore Ravens have been able to do for at least the last 20 games is have an incredible depth in their team. And also, I mean, Huntley was balling. Yeah. But oh, yeah. Just shows up and plays very well. But the downside of preseason, not wins and losses because everybody knows as soon as the regular season starts, none of it fucking matters. The Detroit Lions, when they went 0-16, they went 4-0 in preseason. I believe the Browns did the same exact thing when yep. they went 0-16. The preseason outcomes of the games legitimately mean nothing the only outcomes that mean anything is when you lose a fucking stud jk dobbins is a freak that guy whenever he filled in for mark ingram as the running back he started getting mad give me the ball more i want the ball more they get rid of mark ingram it becomes jk dobbins backfield alongside lamar jackson now here we are staring down a regular season without this absolute freak who we love by the way oh uh-huh. yeah He's come on this show giving us great conversations, great interviews. He follows along. I appreciate the hell out of J.K. Dobbins, and I'm incredibly bummed for him. Torn ACL, and a lot of people will say, you know, if injuries are going to happen, you can get hurt in practice, you can get hurt in the weight room, you can get hurt walking across the street, you can do that. But anytime it happens in a preseason game, your immediate thought is, well, why the fuck was that guy on the field? Yeah. And I don't know if that was Harbaugh's idea. I don't know if J.K. Dobbins wants to be out there. There's some guys that want to get those reps in. It's just unfortunate all around, and the Ravens definitely took a massive hit with this. Yeah, because of the fact that they are such a run-heavy offense, do you think they'll probably maybe go after Mark Ingram, as you mentioned, and try and bring him back from Houston, especially because Houston's got David Johnson, Philip Lindsay, and Ingram? Like, Wouldn't that be kind of the smart move? Gus Edwards is a great backup, but I feel like you need at least two running backs in an offense like that with Lamar. 
Gussie. Hey, Gussie's a player. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Best player. But the, also, I'm not as certain that Mark Ingram will go back. Maybe they'll look for him, especially with the depth that Houston has at that. But look for a lot of running backs to potentially be cut that are pretty notable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this week there's a lot of – and Jim Irsay tweeted this. He said, hey, a lot of tough decisions being made right now, man. Mm-hmm. He said, hey, a lot of tough decisions being made right now. I think by tomorrow they got to get their team down. Tuesday I think is cut day, first mm-hmm. cut. So you're going to see them be active. I assume they're going to want to fill in, but nobody's going to be J.K. fucking Dobbins. No. It's going to be tough to get a J.K. Dobbins in there. And uh, to be honest – I'm pretty thankful that that's – I mean, is there anybody else, any other stars that we've lost? I don't think so, right? It hasn't been big ones. Evan Ingram, uh, tight end for the Giants, he pulled up his calf yesterday, but I don't think anything to the point of, like, season-ending torn ACL like Dobbins. Okay, so obviously T's and P's to the Ravens and Dobbins, but aside from that, hey, we made it. Yeah, yeah made it. did it. Come on. Pat, do you think – like, obviously, these coaches are saying they're playing the stars because they want to have them ready for week one. But now that it's like there was 16-game season, now it's a 17-game season. Like, it's probably more important to not lose one of your best players during the preseason than may- potentially having them full go 100% like ready for week one. Or could we see like teams start using week one, week two more as a ramp up? Very solid analysis there, Diggs. The, the longer season... And I don't think any of us know how it's going to play. I don't think the coaches know how they're going to play it yet. You know, like, I don't think anybody has a clue. And it's only one game is what I think is such a crazy thing. But just that one game being added, it's like, okay, the guy that was crawling into the 16th game last season, what does that mean now with another game on top of that? Do we, do you rest some players more? Do you take like, do you take a bye week maybe for a couple of your players in the middle of the season as opposed to your all, as well as your bye week? I'll be fascinated in situations are situational, so I think it'll kind of get balanced out. But Jeff Saturday alluded to that fact, Diggs. He was basically like, hey, let's use these first two games against NFC teams. Who really gives a fuck mm-hmm. um, for the Colts and kind of ramp up and see what we got. But there's teams out there right now. Chiefs, they're looking to go undefeated. Yeah. Bucks, they're looking to go undefeated. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the first time in a long time we have teams actually, I don't want to say talking about it, but almost like the expectations are – hey, this team knows that an undefeated season is there. Like, this team knows that this could happen. They know what they are. I think we'll just kind of have to see how it goes. I'm not sure you're going to see anybody resting anybody, though, in these first couple regular season games. I think it's, hey, we got to hit it and get it and hope that our training camp was enough for us to get by. Well, do you think, like, there's no right or wrong way to do this, right? Because, like, when we, we, I mean, the, the Chiefs, their starters played that whole first half, and I think – that makes a little bit more sense because they didn't have any of the linemen. You know, all those guys are new, so they maybe want them to, you know, get a little chemistry. But like, I look at the Packers; I haven't paid any attention because they're not they're not playing any anyone of merit. And it's not like if they come out and perform poorly weeks one and two that you'll look back and be like, "Oh shit, Roger!" You know, Rogers in the first team offense; like they should have been playing during the preseason. What the hell's going on? Yeah, and I think there's a couple of different situations where everybody just understands that, hey, they're not playing in the preseason. Aaron Rodgers, I don't think, is a preseason guy. Like, I don't think he has ever come out and said, I need preseason. No. I think it's complete, I think it's complete opposite. Now, on the flip side to that game, though, Josh Allen. Yeah. Whew. Jeez. That 38-yard Jeez. rope. Oh, my <laughs> God. He's good. Seed. Filthy. I mean, absolutely. I watched that game. Absolutely. Filthy that ball that he threw in the 
the excitement, the joy, him moving, the way that team act. The Buffalo Bills are a fucking problem. Yeah, yeah they I mean, are. Legit, especially with Bills Mafia. Now, I don't know if Josh Allen plays, if that's not a home game. Huh. Oh, yeah. After Now, maybe he will. Maybe this is how Josh Allen goes. But I think, like, Buffalo, especially old Brandon Bean, who came out and said, like, we don't have this under control at all, okay? We have no fucking idea what's going on, all right? We had a close contact to somebody that was vaxxed five days out. We've had multiple five days things. We have no idea what's going to come in the middle of the season. Who knows in this entire thing? And I respect and appreciate Brandon Bean, general manager of the Buffalo Bills, by the way, being very forthright and... You know, up front with everybody about how we have no fucking idea what's going to happen. Nobody nobody has a clue what's going to happen. You just got to hope it kind of all gets figured out and worked out. And I think that vaccination level, by the way, is going to get real high in the NFL. I think it's going to get real, real high. But I think the biggest thing that I heard Bean talk about whenever he was on with us and other people is he was very upset that Bill's Mafia didn't get a chance to experience that Buffalo Bills run of last year. Yeah. And that game against the Packers in that preseason game this past weekend, that place seemed to be filled up. Yeah, packed. Especially with this Austin talk and the new stadium talk and everything like that. If, you know, I feel like that maybe, I don't know, that might have played a hand in it. I'm not 100% sure. Whatever the case, getting to see Josh Allen ball out there, I mean, the AFC East is in some trouble for some time. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills or why Bill Belichick and Kraft spent $150 million on day one of the free agency tampering period. Yep. Josh Allen and the Bills are the reason why the Miami Dolphins are allegedly still interested in somebody <laughs> who potentially has 26-plus charges still against them that could count for four to five life sentences if they all end up positive because they want a quarterback in there. The Buffalo Bills are a problem in, at Boston Connor. I know you got a chance to watch Cam and Mac in these preseason games that we just went on an entire run about not mattering. <laughs> Mac Jones looks like a goddamn player, though. He really oh, does yeah. look like a problem for everybody, huh? Looks like a real player. I mean, he's got the respect of his team that's so clear, which I think is massive, and also the fire. Like, even when he threw his first touchdown pass of the preseason, because normally they were just getting down to the goal line, running it in, and he was in Zubin Mahenti's face, absolutely jacked up, shaking him and everything. He was even doing that for Ramondre Stevenson when he uh, had a rushing touchdown. But with the Bills, to your point, Isaiah McKenzie, one of the guys uh, yeah. last week who was out of the uh, out because of the protocols, he did get vaccinated basically immediately after. So you got to assume those numbers are going to continue to skyrocket, which is not great for the Patriots because I was hoping a couple Bills, you know, when we play each other, maybe they're out, you know, maybe maybe they're not full strength because goddamn. Josh Allen looked like an MVP yesterday. I like that you went back to the Bills when I tried to pivot to Mac Jones. That's interesting. I'm sure your fans will question whether or not they truly love Mac Jones. Buffalo Connor. Yeah, Buffalo Connor. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Uh, there's been a couple of those moments in preseason, though, that you watch and you're so thankful that football is back. Mahomes to Tyreek Hill down the sideline. Mm -hmm. Tyreek Hill just put the gas pedal on a guy. My God. There, hey, Tom played preseason yeah. yeah Patrick Mahomes played preseason Josh Allen played preseason it seems like these teams that are gunning for the home field advantage through the playoffs know we have to come out early we have to be hot early 
Brandon Bean said, hey, it's a lot different whenever teams have to come through Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes knows it's much different when everybody has to go through Kansas City. Tom Brady's been living that life for a long, long time. Yeah. I think he's had a first-round bye in the playoffs like 16 of his 21 years in the NFL or something like that. Uh-huh. I believe before last year, the last time he had to play, uh, the first week of the playoffs was like 2009, 2008. How many years? Is this his 22 years? Yeah, 22nd. Yes, yeah, he's going into 22. And he's only missed the playoff one time. He's been in the playoffs 20 times. Jesus. Disgusting. And I'm pretty, he's gone to what, 11 conference championships too? <laughs> well, I think since 2011, he's been in a conference championship or Super Bowl every single year. Every single year. <laughs> or aside from the his last season with the Patriots, every single year conference championship. It's hard. It's hard not to just think ten days from now because there's shit that we have to talk about today. But man, football is so close. We interrupt this conversation to let you know that now that the world's opening back up, so many new thrills are on the horizon. And whether you've been in a relationship for years, are just getting started, or are excited to get back out there and meet new people, when the moment comes, you want to be ready, Roman ready. Go to GetRoman.com slash McAfee now to talk to U.S. licensed healthcare professionals. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Roman Ready equals confidence, the confidence that you know you can rise to the occasion in the moment. We're looking at the Summer of Love 2021 version, and Roman wants to make sure you can participate in your way, whether that be as a single person or a couple who would still rather stay in with each other. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, convenient, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash McAfee and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a U.S. licensed healthcare professional and take care of it. Once again, go to GetRoman.com slash McAfee today, and if you're prescribed, get 50% off your first month of ED treatment. Back to the show. Joining us now is a man who is an absolute superstar. I think that is the case. When he was in the NFL, it felt like the media hated him, so they decided to show him at his absolute worst, which potentially painted a narrative that this dude wasn't the coolest dude on earth. He's a pro bowler, obviously, on the field, but then we learned a lot about him off the field in reality television, his social media game. Now he has a podcast called Uncut. Ladies and gentlemen, living legend, Jay Very, Very kind of you. I appreciate it. Hey, did, and this is our first time chatting, I think, real life and fake. It's an honor. Yeah. It's an absolute honor, Jay. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Did you feel whenever you were in the league, and I always said this about you, to my friends whenever I had uh, media, that all the moments that Jay Cutler had on the field, the media decided to show all the other quarterbacks had as well. They just chose not yeah, to show yeah. it. Whenever you'd yeah. be pissed off, whenever you'd mm-hmm. be upset, when you'd be disinterested, it felt like the media loved it. Then the smoking Jay accounts start yeah. and everything yeah. like that. Did you know that when you were in the NFL? And was there ever a moment you're like, why the fuck do you guys choose to show me at my absolute worst all the time? Yeah, I mean, there was a point I, I remember uh, we were playing on Fox and there was just a camera, like literally just following me 
the entire game on the sidelines everywhere. I went to the media guys. I was like, "What the what the hell is going on here?" And they're like, "Well, they have a camera just dedicated to you on the sidelines." I was like, "This is I mean, this is bullshit, guys. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, why is this a thing?" So then you just get to a point where it's just like, I guess I'm just going to sit here and just sit here. And you did. And I did. Then, did and I then did everybody well. said, and then everybody said, well, he doesn't care then because he's just yep. sitting there. And then the internet, yeah. it looks like he would legitimately have a marble red hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> and then all of a sudden that took off into its own thing. And that all kind yeah. of disguised how good of a football player you were, I thought. Personally, just as an outsider looking in, I thought you handled it much better than I would. If I was a yeah. teammate of yours, though, I would ask a lot of questions like, hey, why do you always show this guy in his worst when you don't I'm do that for sure. everybody else? Yeah, and then, you know, then if I got into any arguments or yelled at anybody, you know, it would, it would spin the other way. So it was, it was kind of one of those no-win situations, but, um, you know, it was what it was. I, lo- I loved playing football. It, it, it was fun. Had good teammates. You know, the, the outside noise is the outside noise. When you retired, did you uh, – was it hard to watch football? Did you start hating football again? Because I remember you retired on TV, then you came back, I think, and I there's a whole behind-the-scenes story behind that we don't have yeah. to dive into. But a lot of guys, when they leave the game, they have a little jaded, a little sense of jade, yeah. so they don't want to watch the game. Are you back yeah. on board watching football full-time, or are you still a little bit jaded towards it? Yeah, you're, you're, you're 100% right. I was a little jaded to, to it, and, you know, I was just trying to figure out, like, what's next, you know, because you spend so much time invested in this game since you're a little kid. Uh, but now, uh, you know, my two boys are nine and seven, and, and the, my nine-year-old is all in. I mean, he's he knows everybody, the stats, he plays Madden, he wants to watch every game all day long, so... I'm back in it. I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm 100% back in it, but I'm, I'm, I'm trending that way. You're a gunslinger. Is that an accurate depiction, and is that what, how you wanted to play? Uh, no. I mean, I think in, when I got in, in college, it was just kind of it was a necessary evil because uh, we were playing the Alabamas and the LSUs and some of these, some of these teams. So you had to take some chances because our talent level wasn't there. And then when I got to Denver, we got scaled back, and with Shanahan and, and Jerry Bates and a bunch of those guys, our offense uh, was a lot more balanced. Uh, some boot games, you know, the running game, the, uh, all, the, all the zone scheme was, was fabulous. And then when I got to Chicago, uh, defense was great, but, you know, if we did get up some points, um, you know, talent-wise in the offense, you know, until we got some, some dudes, B. Marsh and some of those guys, uh, we had to take some chances. So it was just part of it. You see the way the game's evolving right now offensively. Oh, gosh, yeah. You think help what it would help you immensely, huh? If it, the offense now and the rules now, you think you, you can't and, and you can't and you can't get touched. Yeah. <laughs> you can literally play quarterback forever. Yeah. <laughs> you could greatest, potentially. It's the greatest gig out there. Yeah, how old are you now? 38. Is there any thought at all of getting back out there and throwing? No. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I could still do it, um, but you know, not, not. I can't. I can't do it. I can't go back to that. <laughs> like, <laughs> the- like start. No. Like, the, the problem is, like, I could. I physically, I could do it. No problem. Mentally, I, you could do it. It's just, it's just starting all those relationships back up and getting back in a team and you know, earning the trust of the of the locker room. Like all that stuff just takes so much time and effort and energy. Um, and, you know, I've got a million other things happening at this point. You're so cool now, dude. <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, you are. I, I don't. I don't feel that at all. I mean, I, I don't. I don't feel that. And the whole podcast world that I'm starting is is so foreign that you know I feel like I have no. I have no earthly idea what the hell I'm doing. And you know, and coming from football, where you you've been doing it your entire life like you know i felt like i know how to do this and now i'm in the entering in this media world which i never thought i'd be in it's it's just uh it's different so whenever you get baptized in the media world which is reality tv i think oh yeah hey that had to feel good to be a baby face for a little bit though i mean you were a heel for a long time everybody hates jay cutler yeah hates jay cutler then you get on reality tv and i know Diggs over there who's now a covid cowboy he was dressing like jay cutler for like two three weeks (laughs) Because of how much he loves you on reality. It, that, that was a real, I felt like a real momentum swing there, though. It was like, hey, this is actually. It was. Big, yeah, that had to be pretty nice. Even yeah. though reality TV, I heard, is a nightmare. I've heard is a nightmare. I thought it was the easiest thing ever. <laughs> it was so, it was one of the, I mean, it's annoying. It sucks. It's annoying and it sucks. But actually doing the job is easy as hell. Like we would do, I mean, one cut, two cut, and be done. I'd be, you know, twenty minutes a day, and I'm, I'm done with my job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, see you guys, good luck. Uh, so the podcast will this lead to more stuff, or is this feel like this is your full focus now? I see the Outsider Studio. I, I know that's yeah. the entire thing, right? That's becoming an yeah. entire network. Yeah, we're we're putting that all together. Um, you know, there's there's a couple other things in the in the uh, in the office building we got. So I think the podcast is just, it, it, I think it's just an avenue into into other stuff. I mean, I've enjoyed it so far. I did the first one with uh, Waddle and Sylvie, and I wasn't sure. I mean, kind of going into it, I was a little apprehensive. I was like, I'm probably going to hate this. And about halfway through, I was like, damn, this isn't this isn't bad. I can I can get I can do this. And then I did another one with Nate, uh, a comedian here in town, and it was, you know, it, it's different whenever you don't know somebody that well. And he came in and sat down. I was like, damn, like this might be. And he was really, he was quiet, didn't have a lot of emotion. He kind of sat down. He's like, what do you want to talk about? I was like, you know, we'll just shoot the shit and see what happens. And back in my head, I'm like, this is going to fail. We're screwed here. <laughs> Are you and always, then, do you always have the mindset? Do, uh, do you always have the mindset you're going to hate something? That was interesting to me. Uh, no, no, no. It's just some, like, well, foreign things. Like, you know, I, I think growing up, like, I just stuck to things I was good at which was sports. So like doing something that you, you're not sure if you're going to be good at is a, is a little daunting. It's something that, you know, at 38 years old, you don't really take into consideration because you've been doing something else for so long. Um, but, you know, Nate sat down and we, we were, I mean, we started shooting this shit and it was like 20 minutes before I even got to my first question. So I was like, all right, like this is, this, we can do this. This is going to go. Yeah, you have good perspective, dude. You're in the NFL 12 years. You're a reality TV superstar. You're beloved by everybody. You're a fucking farmhand. I mean, let's go. <laughs> you got a lot of conversations you can have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can hit a lot of different topics, which is good. Um, How are you feeling, by the way? Thank you for asking. I'm on the outside. Yeah. I'm out of the deep shit. I, I had like three days, three days of mm-hmm. aches and chills and fever, 104 and a half fever there. Um, I was about to ask you, by the way, actually, because you have decided just to jump on in. So I'm too dumb to get into the politics world or get into any of those worlds. You're a future school board uh, member, obviously, (laughs) so you have to dabble in. 2024. (laughs) Hell yeah. Hey, hey, get the seeds laid for that campaign trail now. Oh, yeah. 
Have you enjoyed that whole world? Because you have gone into it a little bit, into the politics world. Have you enjoyed yeah. the bickering? Do you enjoy that? Is that something you like? Or is it like you feel like you're doing something bigger than yourself again? What is it like? That's a good question. It's, it's kind of twofold. I don't like the bickering. And my stance has got, kind of gotten skewed a little bit. I, I, I'm on the whole, they're putting me on the whole anti-vax, anti-mask thing, which I've chosen that for myself of not getting the vaccine and not really wearing masks unless it's airports or like where it's absolutely deemed necessary. Um, but I have no problem with people getting the vaccine. I have no problem with people wearing masks. If that makes you feel safe and that makes you feel better, go ahead. I'm all, all for you. Uh, if you want to get into the science of it and the numbers and all that stuff, that's a whole different conversation. Um, and I will go down that road, but I also want people to know that, you know, I'm 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 pretty much in the middle in a lot of this stuff. So I, I I'm not this far far right or far left leaning person. I think that's where there's there's no gray area any, anymore in the world. Like it's either either black or white areas, and that's it. And I'm not saying racially, but just in the yes. context of, of people arguing. Um, and we we we've forgotten this gray area where a lot of people live. Yeah, there's a lot of understanding in that gray area that it seems to yeah. be tossed out the window. And the Absolutely. thing about the the thing about the COVID is, and we've I don't dabble into that world because I'm not smart enough, and nobody's thinking to themselves, you know what, Pat McAfee's the guy I need to go to to get fucking advice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like nobody's oh, doing. To be, that. Yeah, to be honest, I'm probably not the guy to go to, to get advice <laughs> at all. But I but I I do have a, a stance, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hold up to that stance. And if you have a different stance. Hey, congratulations, man. The thing about it, though, with COVID is it's not a political party thing. I have friends no. who are on both ends of the spectrum, and they either both sides love what's going yeah. on or both sides hate it. So I think that is yeah. why, and after going through this, like, it's yeah. obviously miserable, but I'm never sick. So I don't know what this is in comparison to anything else. All I know is I was absolutely miserable. I wish it upon nobody, even though I think everybody's going to end up getting it, is the information yeah. I was basically yeah. told. Uh, yeah. So I appreciate you doing that. But you waking up, your comments some days have to be just a fucking nightmare, though, I assume, your mentions. You actually read those? You read through your mentions? I know I'm very thankful uh, you followed me on Twitter. That was a cool day. I felt real cool. Yeah. I, uh... I, I mean, I go in spurts. Like, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go through them, go through them, go through them. Then I'll take a couple of days off and then, you know, realize, all right, like, we're doing a podcast now. Like, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to enter that world. And so yeah, no, I'm getting better on. about it. It's just, it's not something that I think comes natural to me. Yeah, because you'd show up on Instagram out of nowhere and all of a sudden we'd learn you have yeah. fucking 45 chickens. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or some cows or whatever. So, it's I, I I found that Instagram is more like a quality game, and Twitter is just quantity. Like the more shit you put out there, like the better. Yeah, those these algorithms, dude. Yeah. Listen, it's I don't insane. know how they work, but I think in Twitter you do have to be active. Like I think you have to and be active. Instagram is messing with me, and they've got me at six hundred and sixty-six k. And they will not let me off of it. Oh, because you're the devil. <laughs> yes. Ah. This is the Fox media fucker that put that camera on you. He moved over to Instagram, working with Zuckerberg. Let's yeah. walk him at 666, this devil yeah. Jay Cutler. No, ma no matter what I do, good or bad, like I could, I could do the worst thing in the world, and I'll lose like 3,000, and I'll go right back to 666 or 667. 
I could do something awesome and I could get like 10,000, 20,000 and then back down to like six, 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 seven. <laughs> I'm like, come on guys. Like you can take away a hundred thousand. Just get me off that number. I don't care. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm thankful that you're not buying your way out of Satanism. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not. I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 not a, I'm not a Satan uh, worshiper. I'm not, not the devil, but I am. They do have me locked in at, at 666, which I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of. Put it on the ticker. Jay Cutler. Right now. Not a, not a, yeah, like, not a, yeah, 10,000 people unfollow me. Let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see what happens. Uh, let's go back to football a little bit before the boys yeah. have a question for you. Um, did you have coaches you enjoyed, hated? Who do you think was the most like important person to your NFL career? Uh, Mike Shanahan, Jeremy Bates when I was in Denver. Um, they just kind of shaped everything for me. And uh, in, in just from how organizations run to the pieces of an offense, what you need. Um, how to manage football games, you know, the, the right way to do things on the field, off the field, on the bus, what a locker room should look like, what a leader should look like, uh, you know, all the things. They were, and I was young at that point, so it was instrumental to me. You look back on anything in your NFL career and go, you know, I shouldn't have done that, I fucked that up anywhere? <sighs> I mean, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I don't, I don't even know if we have time. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how Denver went down, I mean, getting traded to Chicago, um, you know, there. I mean, stuff with coaches, uh, you know, there, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that I think you can look back and go, you know what, I shaped that a little bit. But would I actually do it? No. I, I wouldn't change anything uh, of how it went. It worked out how it's supposed to work out. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here now and I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a good place. That Shanahan offense is now everywhere in the NFL. It's like the offense. Do you, do you yeah. look at it around and say, oh, I know exactly what they're doing? Like when you were going to get into TV there for a second and do, what did yeah. you do, for a week, two weeks you did it on CBS? How long was it? No, I was with Fox, and I was signed for – we did a couple – we did a taping in Fox for an inter, for a uh, for my uh, interview, and then I signed, and then I was – I think I was – an employee for like two weeks. They paid me one paycheck, but I had to. Get, I think I gave it back. <laughs> did you really? I'm pretty. I I, I want to say I did. If I didn't, I hope I did. <laughs> no, fuck them. They made enough money off of you, dude. No, no, no. You take that. They don't even know it's gone. Somebody just. Hey, Jay Cutler. Yeah, he gave that back right into their pocket. But exactly. I don't think you ever get talked about as somebody who, you know, football IQ is never talked about. But whenever you. No. I wish, I wish we would have got a chance to watch you call some games. What would have been well, your angle? I, you I just talked to, I just did uh, Adam Schefter's, and uh, he he was asking the same question about you know how it all went down. And I told him he's like, "Do you ever want to do that?" I'm like, "Absolutely." I just don't want to. I just can't do 16, 17 games. I can't get back into that schedule of Friday, come back Monday for, and it's all seventeen away games. You know, you don't get a home game, and with the kids and everything in my schedule and all the stuff. Uh, and he was like, "Would you do?" You know four, five, six, eight games. I was like, absolutely, I'd do that. I would love to do six games. And he was like, I'll make that happen. So it's on, it's on, it's on Chessie now. Like he claims that he ha has all the pull and he's like, I can, I can do this for you. So we'll see what Jeff happens. Jeff, do you have your ass doing that Manning Monday night football game? He'll be the on-field <laughs> yeah. reporter for I'm not doing any on-field stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, in the, I'm in the box. I'm not that guy. 
I would. I'm excited to hear your brain spill over a game. You know, 12 years in the NFL, Pro Bowl, or yeah. multiple different offenses. I assume you have forgotten more information than a lot of us fuckers have learned. So, I hope Schefter makes that happen. I mean, it feels like. So he's do I. Be I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm excited if he can make it happen. Because um, I mean, you get to see it from way up top. You see things happening, safeties rolling, corners. I mean, the whole thing. So I think it's. And with all of today's offenses, with the checks and, you know, a lot of the stuff, it's not – I mean, I'm not going to say it's not that hard, but I'm, I'm pretty positive I, I could pull it off. I think you could, man. I almost did a couple of times. You know, and I'm uh, just third-string quarterback with a perfect passer rating on Thanksgiving. When you look at, like um, – when you look at Tom and Aaron – and even Peyton played into when you look at these yeah. guys, Drew Brees just retired. When you look at these older guys that are sticking around, and I think Drew Brees said it in one interview, and we're not necessarily a, a pro Drew Brees show. I mean, yeah. this is this is so happens to be a Drew Brees quote. He said, as I got older, his brain got so much better. His football IQ got so much better. He's just hoping his body could hang on. You alluded to it earlier there that guys can play forever with the way the new rules are. When you look at guys yeah. like Aaron and Tom, what is so impressive to you uh, as a former quarterback who's been in there at the same time they were and they're still going? Yeah. What's so impressive about these old guys that are still able to fucking get out there and do it? Well, I think it's one of those things that you look at it and it, the game becomes effortless to them. It's, it's, not, it's not them anymore. It's the rest of, it's the, rest of the guys. Like If those 10, 10 other guys, or not even 10, if, if six of the guys on offense do the right thing, they're 99% of the time going to make the, the right decision. It's just it just becomes effortless to them. It, it, they've done it so many times, and you know Aaron is a little bit different because he makes so many more plays outside the pocket that are fun to watch. Uh, but I think he's also mastered that. He knows you know when he can push it back into coverage, when he can throw across his body, and when he can do some of those things. So I, I think it, it be, almost becomes really elegant to watch these guys do this and pull this stuff off. Those young guys who get antsy to get out of the pocket—that is yeah. like. That's a big problem, right, for the young guys. You've got to be able to sit in there. How hard is that just to uh, want to sit in the middle of the fucking chaos? Because I remember Baker. Now, granted, he had Freddie Kitchens, who I don't know if you know him or not. He called a draw in fourth and 13 for him, and that, that whole place was just a nightmare. But anytime there was any any type of pressure, he was out, yeah. rolling to the right. Yeah. And the def- NFL defenses know that. Like, hey, if we get oh, any yeah. push on him, they'll even yep. send somebody. They just would buzz somebody around the pocket almost to get him out. That's get how NFL out. defenses yeah. are. How hard is that for some of these young guys? There's a lot of young NFL quarterbacks right now who have the chance to be great, but then there's also the chance they're going to be fucking forgotten about in a year or two. That's the NFL. Yep. What is the hardest part, you think, for these young guys to make it? Well, I, I think as owners and NFL coaches, like if you do have a young quarterback, like you've got to do everything under the sun to protect them up front. Like you got to have linemen, you got to have a run have a running game. Because if these guys start getting hit early in their career, it's just inevitable what's going to happen. Like they're not going to want to sit in there. Like there's no one on the planet that really wants to sit in a pocket and get smoked, you know, five, ten times a game. It's just your 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 self preservation of you as a human is going to take over, and you're like, hey, like this isn't safe. I've got to go. So it's and 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 unfortunate thing is a lot of these top quarterbacks go to shitty teams. It's just. That's just how it's the draft and how everything's organized. Uh, so I, I, I think it's on the owners, it's on the head coaches to say, hey, 
either we if we can't protect this guy, we we need to be really careful in our play calling and, and, and how we go about this to, to give them a chance on the back end, you know, year three, year four, year five to really become the quarterback we want them to become. We're talking to Jay Cutler, 12-year NFL vet, pro bowler, uh, host of Uncut with Jay Cutler. One episode out, another coming ar- around the corner with a riveting conversation with a comedian that yeah. uh, actually showed the Jay Cutler he should be a host because he had a 20-minute conversation before he got to his first question. I can't wait to listen to that. A couple of the boys have questions for you. Is that all right? Absolutely. Go ahead, Ty. Jay, as a Packers fan, I got to see the way like the media kind of portrayed and shaped the narrative around you. I'm just curious, when you retired, did you have anybody reach out to you and say like, hey, I'm sorry that I made people think you were a sack of shit while you were playing and vice versa? Was there anyone that like you sent a message to and be like, hey, now I'm done now, but I just wanted to let you know you are a massive piece of shit for <laughs> what you were doing while I was in the league? Um, no, they're all dead to me now. <laughs> no, no one reached out. Um, you know, I've, I think I've, I've become more friendly with some of them um, throughout the years. You know, I signed with Fox, even though they roasted me for like four years. I mean, so, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, money talks. <laughs> yep. Hey, listen, I hated them, but that check yeah. was fucking big. Jack was a big one. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, still ended up giving it back. Pretty cool, uh, Jay. You mentioned no, fuck, take that check even more. I mean, what are we doing, Jay? I know, I know. I might have kept it. Who knows? <laughs> Good for you. Don't even know. Hey, congrats. Yeah. Dude. You don't even know. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good for you, Jay. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Jay. You mentioned winning over the locker room as a rookie in Denver. Yeah. Uh, how difficult was that? And then also, was it much different when you went to Chicago and? Miami where you already kind of had the resume uh yeah when I got to when I got to Denver it was John Lynch it was Al Wilson it was Champ Bailey Jake Plummer um Rod Smith so I mean we had some dudes on that team some old guys too that could just straight out play football uh and but I I tell you what I I felt really welcome to that locker room I thought Mike and, and you know those guys were all quality guys and Lynch was first class I mean as all of them were so they welcomed us they messed with us but they messed with messed with us the right way um and they just kind of showed us the way they they figured that out and then once I got to Chicago Lack and Lance Briggs and I mean there's there were some guys on that defense that, that were straight up doing it um and all they cared about is that you know, I could go out there and play. If I could help them win games, it was that's all. That's all you cared about. And I think as you get older, that's what you look for. Like, hey, do the right thing for the most part, but we need you to help us win games. And going to Miami was easy because that was a little bit of a younger team, and I, I knew most most of the coaching staff. So that, that was kind of an easy tra- transition for me. So hot. Yeah, that was insanely hot. <laughs> it was yeah. like Christmas, and I was like, what? When does this get turned off? Like it's December twenty <laughs> third. It's like ninety five. Turned yeah. off. Yeah. Turn it down. Just a little bit. Jeez, Diggs, go ahead. Jay, as Pat mentioned, I'm a huge fan. Um, he was yeah. talking about earlier uh, about Aaron a little bit and about the Shanahan offense that Aaron's in now. You played yeah. in the division with them together. You guys came into the league around the same time. You guys kind of have similar, like, laid-back personalities. Do you have a relationship with Aaron? And is there anyone maybe besides him that you thought, like, oh, that guy can make all the same throws that I can make? Uh, Stafford. Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford can spin it. 
Um, Aaron could spin it. Um, you know, Flacco back in the day, he could he could kind of touch the whole field. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I know I'm missing some people. You know, you look at Patrick Mahomes now, and he's kind of a Aaron spinoff. Um, but there's, I mean, there's being able to throw the ball like the way that they can throw the ball just creates so many problems for a defense, and especially all you know, all three of those guys can move. Aaron and Patrick a little bit more than 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 Stafford, but I mean, Stafford can get out and he can make he can cause some problems. So. Uh, you know, whenever you can roll to the right and still put it, you know, 65 down the field or, or put it 55 on the backside, it's, it's a, it's an issue for defenses, but I just reached out to Aaron. I'm trying to get him on the podcast. He's, uh, he's slow playing me though. He, he's doing he just a full, like a case of scotch or something. Yeah. He does like scotch. He's doing a full media blitz right now. He, you should. Is he? Yeah. Shine. Maybe I'll hear, maybe I'll hear from him soon then. Have you always just been incredibly gifted throwing the ball? Like ever since you were a kid, that was always you could just throw the shit out of it. Yeah, my, I went to my first uh, first tackle football practice, and I want to be a running back. And so I was like, "All right, get get you know, got your number, and I'm I'm going to be a running back, and I'm just throwing the ball back and forth with the quarterback. And we're just throwing it, we're throwing it, we're kind of getting farther and farther away, and he's not really getting it back to me, and I'm throwing it. The coach comes over and goes, "Hey, uh." Go get a go get a a quarterback number. You're you're a quarterback. <laughs> I'm like, nah. I'm I'm, the, I'm a running back. <laughs> and he he goes over he goes over and talks to my dad. My dad's like, hey, go change your number. You're a quarterback. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> Me. Were you a pitcher? Were you also in baseball? Uh, I pitched a little bit. I didn't. I played shortstop, and then once I got to like my freshman year, I, I stopped pitching. I was like, I'm gonna mess. I, I mean, I loved football, and I was like, I'm gonna mess up my arm doing this stuff. So, I just played shortstop. You did have that asshole running back mentality where you were trying to run people over. I mean, it made no sense. Why did some of this zero stuff. sense, zero sense. And I did it one time, and I still, I still feel bad about this. We were in Pittsburgh. And it was a third down. It was like a third and eight or third and six or something like that. And I took off to the left, and I'm running, and I, I kind of slowed, slowed up like I was going to slide. And then I kind of peeked down. I was like, I, I don't know if I'm at the chain. And uh, the DB was gay. And he, he kind of stopped. And then, I mean, I was like, oh, damn it. I just got to go. And just, I mean, just barreled the dude over. And I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Fair enough. He's not allowed to touch you. He's yeah, not allowed to I touch mean, you either. Oh, I know. So I was like, I'm so sorry. He's like, I thought you were going to slide. I was like, I thought I was going to slide too, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> if it means anything, three steps ago, I was on the same page as you. Yeah, right. we, I was right there with you, man. Uh, Zito, you heard it back there, the Bear Danielle, big Bears fan. Massive Jay Cutler fan. Zito, what do you got, pal? Yeah, Bear down. But do we think Matt Nagy and Pace is the answer for Chicago? Oh god, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> yeah. Loaded question yeah. there, by the way. Such, a, such a loaded question. Yeah. You know, I, I think it all comes down to Justin Fields. If they can make it work with him um, at some point in the season, then, then they then they bought probably two to three more years. <laughs> if this implodes and doesn't go the way it's supposed to go, hell, I don't know what's going to happen. Because I mean, you look at back at the draft picks, the first round draft picks, and it hasn't been. 
hasn't been stellar. I like I like Coach Nagy. Um, I like his offense. I, I mean, I've heard nothing but good things from the guys in the locker room. So I'm a fan of his, um, you know, but you, you can only play what you have on the field. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. You obviously do not like him. Either one. Zito, I, I love him. Yeah. I love him, but – just want to see what you Zito thought. only loves them because he's told to love them. As soon as yeah. they're out there, yeah. he will fucking just grab them. Yes, dis- destroy them. Oh, with so kindness. You're no, no. Oh Zito. yeah, he will bury them as soon as they're out of there. Jay, do you like fields? Honest. Does he like fields? Love yeah. fields. Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I was about to say. I was about to say, Jay. Does preseason game like what can we get from this? I think Fields look like he could be a quarterback, but preseason yeah. is so much different because the offense, the defense isn't planning, the no, defense isn't no scheming, is. strategizing. It's so much different, right? We can't really read yeah. much into preseason football, right? And I think I think now defenses even mess with you even more by going more vanilla. They're gonna sh- they're gonna show you nothing. Um, and I think offenses are doing the same thing. Um, I mean, I think the only thing you can see is, all right, how is he in and out the huddle? How is he at the line? Does he feel like he's in control? You know, is he staying in the pocket? Uh, you know, obviously he can run. That's a no-brainer. We've got that figured out. He can throw outside the pocket. But just how is he managing the game? Does You know, how is he on the sideline? Like those things. But when real, when real bullets start happening in week one, I mean, it's a different animal. I like to see how the teammates – interact yeah absolutely. that's my you know, big thing like I, I understand the handling the huddle with confidence and everything yeah. like that huge like i think that's what you get to read but i want to see yeah. the teammates like the, i think yeah. the teammates will tell you whether or not they're a fucking guy or not right yeah if i mean yeah if they're talking to them if they're if you know if they're if they're if they're interacting with them if you know a teammate that doesn't want to play with another teammate doesn't say anything to that guy he avoids him like the plague well, I got the plague, and, uh, and hopefully, 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 Jay, you won't, you know, because if you do, all yeah. your uh, far right wing shenanigans are going to get thrown in your face. But I thought you could get COVID with or without the vaccine. Now, isn't that a thing? Well, so I was vaxxed, actually, <laughs> and uh, don't roll your eyes, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Host of Uncut with Jay Cutler. Thank you so much for your time. Let's get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jay. Thanks, guys. Joining us now, ladies and gentlemen, from Yahoo Sports. Yes, Yahoo Sports still a thing. This man is the one breathing life into them uh, with incredible inside information on Deshaun Watson's situation, which we have a lot of questions for. Ladies and gentlemen, Charles Robinson. Yeah. yeah. Gump's not clapping. Gump took a little shot at me. Uh, when? No way. Yeah. Yeah, Gump, well, Gump took a little shot at me on Twitter. I was hoping he'd be on. Well, he, his shot at you karma. might have been uh, his karma to get COVID. He's got it. <laughs> He's got COVID. And I'm on the other end. I like hearing that. That's unfortunate. I'm sorry to hear that. But I was <laughs> to be on today so we could talk. What did he say to you? Oh, he just told me to stop it. Something about I don't know, like he quoted <laughs> quoted one of the one of the tweets or whatever, and then he told me to stop it. So apparently, uh, he doesn't believe the truth or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so I, shout out to your dog, by the way, in the back there. Yeah, uh, he's chilling. Your dog. 
Uh, thank you so much for joining us on short notice here in Houston. Rocking the University of Houston hat. Shout out to Dana Holgerson. Hope the boys do well. NIL is going to be good for them, by the way. I heard there's a lot of money around that program. Now, let's move to the breaking news from Yahoo Sports. And as you get a phone call, probably more information. Deshaun Watson, how is anybody trading right now with all of the speculation and allegations outside? There's is, is Everything's coming with... Uh, if any of this is real, we get all of our picks back? Or are, are they all doing their own research as well? They're thinking that, that he's going to be able to play at some point? 26 allegations. Is this serious? I don't know how football is even a thought of at this point, uh, Charles. Yeah. What's going on? yeah, they're all doing their own investigation. Okay, so that, like, that's a complete – You can every single team that has been involved or made that call has their own security on it. They've talked to the league office about it. So there's not they're not leaving any stone, you know, unturned on it. But beyond that, every team that has engaged with the Texans, including the Dolphins, has said we would need pick protections. We want basically if he gets indicted by a grand jury, it's going to affect the pick compensation. If he gets suspended in 2021, it affects the pick compensation. And a couple of teams have even said, look, um, even if he plays all of 2021 and then the league investigation wraps up in the offseason, um, and the draft is passed and we've already used your picks. Um, if if he gets suspended in 2022, you're going to have to send some picks back to us. So they even want further pick protection for a suspension beyond 2021. You know, but the, the, the Texans aren't having that. They're like, no, we're not. We don't want to do pick protections. We don't want to reduce our asking price. Um, went through the entire process of reporting. Spoke to, as I tweeted, the Miami Dolphins, the Denver Broncos, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Carolina Panthers, the Houston Texans spoke to someone inside Watson's camp. And one by one, every team except for Miami peeled out of it. And and Miami is still there. And there's a reason why Brian Flores won't say we are not trading for another starting quarterback. And it's because Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins are still interested in Sean Watson. I don't care what Miami you know fans want to say and they can't believe it or whatever. It's reality. I'm sorry. This is where we're at. All right, we're talking to Yahoo Sports' senior NFL reporter, Charles Robinson, in Houston. Has always had great intel with everything going on around Houston. Uh, I assume this is no different. Whenever, If you're a Miami Dolphins fan and you see this, Charles, just put your pundit hat on real quick. Does that mean they hate Tua? Mm. Or, no. what is it, or do we forget how good of a football player Deshaun Watson is because of all of these terrible allegations that are surrounding him, you think? Right. there. That's that's the problem. Everybody's trying to make, you know, like make this into an exclusive thing. You exclusively like this guy because it means you exclusively don't like the other guy. That's not true. They like Tua. I don't think there's any question that they feel like Tua's on a track to improving. This is, you know, when you draft a guy like this, the plan is to go through each season, you build, you get better. They felt like he did that this offseason. But I also think that, Okay, let me, get, let me throw this at you. You know what? Guess what? When last year started, Los Angeles Rams fans did not believe Jared Goff was going anywhere. Guess what? Mm-hmm. San Francisco 49ers fans didn't think Jimmy Garoppolo was going anywhere. Philadelphia Eagles fans didn't think Carson Wentz was going anywhere. What the fuck? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> like it, get, guess what? Sometimes you like a quarterback and you start the season, and sometimes things change. Now, guess what? I went through all those places. And you know what the common thread was in all those places? We weren't sure we could win a Super Bowl with that guy. And so we had to move on. Hey, guess what? Went through Carolina. Said, why did you get rid of Teddy Bridgewater so quickly? Because the owner, David Tepper, said, 
I, I don't think I can win a court. I, can, I don't think I can win a Super Bowl with that guy. So we got to keep looking for the right quarterback. Do you think Miami's any different? Do you think Stephen Ross is any different? Who has been the best quarterback they have had since Dan Marino? If they trade for Deshaun Watson, it's Deshaun Watson. So knock the shit off. Okay, so I appreciate you, you know, battling right now. It sounds like you're in the trenches, you know, in that insider game, by the way. Those waters get a little bit dicey. And I do appreciate you coming out and having this information for us to chit-chat about. The last question about Deshaun Watson that I have, and obviously the allegations are serious, but we haven't seen him play much football in practice. Is he training off the field by himself? Like how – is he still in shape? Is he in good – because every video we see of him in the media, it's not good. He doesn't. Right. He looks disinterested. He looks like he hates everything, which, by the way – if you had 26 allegations that are that serious, I assume it's not easy to be a happy person in your life, whether it's real or not. I, if he goes to Miami, is there going to be a time where he has to get back in shape, you think? Or how has this been going? Um, he's, you know, he's been doing training, but he's not out there doing, obviously, the football work. So it's clearly a problem. You've gone an entire preseason where he's not throwing constantly. Now, you know, is he throwing by himself? Yes, he is. But it's different than throwing during team activities. Um, he's been in and out of practice. You know, there's been times where, you know, he said that he's had a lower extremity injury. The team doesn't believe it. You know, they've told him, look, you got to be out here. You can't be off the field. Um, so he'll come back out. He'll work to the side with a trainer. I wouldn't say he's in, you know, football shape, football shape, but also at the position of quarterback. Do I think that he is the kind of athlete, you know, and works himself physically off the field that he's ready to go? Yeah, but there's still an element of a potential soft tissue injury here. He's someone who's had knee injuries in the past. It's a concern. That's something that I ask teams like, hey, do you think you would be ready to go right away? And they're like, well, first you'd have to get him in, pass the physical, see where he's at physically, and know maybe you got to ride a week with another quarterback while he gets in the groove. And, oh, by the way, he hasn't been part of your passing program. He hasn't been a part of your offense. How much is the terminology different? What does he have to catch up with? So is the question is like, Say Miami trades for him, if they did that, um, and Tua stayed, right? Remain there. Do you lean on Tua, you know, for a couple of weeks and then you make the switch? Or I, I, It's hard for me to believe that that's, you know, what you would do if you were a team like Miami. But, um, you know, it's a concern that he has not been part of a camp or your offensive playbook or, you know, everything else over the last month. Uh, last question from me before the boys have a couple for you, and I can't thank you enough for joining us. Charles Robinson, senior NFL reporter for Yahoo Sports, lives in Houston area. Um, have you guys heard more about everything happening off the field with Deshaun Watson than we have from like Indianapolis? Because it's been eerily quiet. The only thing we've heard is the potential NDA conversation a couple weeks ago where Deshaun's team didn't want them to have – be, uh, Deshaun's team wanted them to be able to speak. The uh, people that were uh, alleging these terrible things about him, allegedly the other side didn't want them to be able to speak. Is there anything happening, or is that at a standstill over there? So right now, um, depositions for, I think it's the first civil case, are set to begin, I think, in a couple of weeks. So if you're just talking about the civil cases, Deshaun's deposition isn't on the docket until like February. So it would be after the season. And that's all for that first civil case. Remember, we're talking about 22 civil cases. Um, and at this point, they're not together. You know, they're separate. Um, in terms of the NDA that you spoke of, yes, that is correct. 
Um, Deshaun's attorney, Rusty Harden, has said repeatedly, if if we were to settle, and he's like, and the other side wants to settle, Tony Busby and his 22 uh, plaintiffs, they absolutely want to settle here. We want it to be public. We want, there's no NDA uh, as far as what the money was. Everyone gets to know what the money is, and we get to talk about why we settled, why the financial amounts are what they are. He claims that um, Tony Busby and the, and the 22 women that are involved in the civil suits don't want that. Um, you know, is, there, is it somewhere in the middle, you know, and why would you want um, as a, as a, you know, a plaintiff's attorney like Tony Busby, usually you want the financial amounts out there. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes between those two in terms of whether a settlement will happen. But I think for NFL teams, you know, there, there's also that other layer of, is he going to be indicted by a grand jury? The grand jury subpoenas have gone out. They're going to gather evidence and decide whether now we want to move forward with some testimony. There's only a 90 day period for grand juries in, in Houston. So, you know, where are you in this current grand jury's you know time period? If you're on day 87, well, you kind of wait. You want to wait until the next one gets impaneled before you start that whole process. Where's the FBI at? Both the lawyers are saying they don't have any idea where the FBI's investigation at, is at on this. Houston Police Department's involved. That's another investigation. And then the league has basically said, and both lawyers have confirmed this, that the league has said, we'll wrap when the criminal investigations are done. We're not stepping on anybody else. Wrap up the criminal side of it. Then we'll do the remainder of our interviews that would include Deshaun Watson. So, I mean, there's so many. You said at the beginning, like, how does a team, you know, any team trade for a guy who is under four separate investigations, only one of which is, is the NFL's? You know, and and then the whole entire multitude of civil lawsuits. I the answer I have for that is I don't know. Like I, it's I've said repeatedly to anyone who would ask, it's it would be the single. You would have to have massive balls as a general manager and an owner and a head coach and anyone else in that franchise to bring on Deshaun Watson in the midst of this. In particular, if you're giving up um, close to full value, I mean it's. There's no other way to state it. I mean, it's and I get that you hear a lot of that from Dolphins fans, like the why, the why. I actually understand that. I completely understand that. But I don't run a team. I don't have to win a Super Bowl. You know, it's not my decision. So, and I've seen NFL teams, honestly, frankly, make worse decisions in my 20 years covering the league. Yeah, I mean, you just hope that in the NFL of 2021 that a decision like this would not take winning would not take precedent over handling this. Serious of an allegation, but it is the NFL. Your dog is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what's the name? Oh, it's Coach. Coach, what's good, pal? Coach. <laughs> coach is so cute. I appreciate that. We got two two more questions for you. Is that okay? Yeah, it's fine. Go ahead, Ty. Charles, uh, Gardner Minshew getting traded to the Eagles. Like we've heard all off season and through training camp and the preseason here that they love Jalen Hurts. They think he is the guy. Why? Why did they trade for Gardner Minshew? Like, I mean, is he he's to be a third string quarterback? He's that's where he's at in the depth chart right now. Like, what are you hearing about this? What spurred this? Well, he won't stay third string, and you know, I think there are a couple of different elements here. He fits more what, in terms of the things they would teach and how the offense would function, he fits more what um, Jalen Hurts does. So there's some continuity there. Um, he's a younger piece that can remain there beyond this season. So, you know, with Howie Roseman, when you talk to Howie Roseman, the general manager there about quarterbacks, he always likes to have 
depth at quarterbacks. He likes to have a number of quarterbacks, and if they're young guys that he thinks can actually develop a little bit, he'll tell you, well, we could always flip this guy later for a different piece. And frankly, like, you know, as much as they want Jalen Hurts to develop, they want it to be a competitive situation. And the fact is, until Minshew walks in there, is it really a long-term competitive situation for Jalen Hurts? No. I mean, look at the depth chart. Like, I, really? I mean, you think Joe Flacco is going to be a long-term competitive push for, for Jalen Hurts? No, he's not going to be. Gardner Minshew will be. Gardner Minshew is – he reminds me a little of Ryan Fitzpatrick when you talk to him. Like, he, in terms of, like, he wants to be the starting quarterback. He wants that job. Um, I think he's also, though, capable of supporting whoever the starter is, which is important for a backup. But – they just wanted talent at the position. They wanted young talent at the position that maintained some offensive continuity in terms of what they could do with him, the kind of plays they could run, um, and he gives them that. So, And he was cheap. I think your dog found another dog. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> What's the other dog? Oh, that's uh, Toasty. Toasty and Coach? Yeah, his name's Toasty because my, my girl um, – we were thinking of dog names one night, and she was drunk on the couch. And I said, I, I told her she was really toasty, and that would be a good dog name. That's how you get Hey, two tickets to Toasty Land, Pop. That's what oh, it's yeah. all about. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Charles, uh, can we expect Justin Reed to be coming in for the 60-plus yarder field goals this year, or is he a strictly that? a kickoff specialist? That was awesome. Yeah. Man, that was, that was probably one of those preseason moments where you're like, holy cow, I did not expect that. That was dope. It was awesome. I love watching the, you know, when you're a returner and you're, where were his heels? The five, the 10, <laughs> yeah, you know, you so. think oh, he's going to short this. <laughs> he killed it. Yeah. Pat, you must've been going crazy. I, well, I was in the middle of the COVID cave, so I couldn't go too bananas, <laughs> but I did enjoy that. He took a real hack at that good hang time as well. And then former teammates of mine, obviously took that as an opportunity to take shots and slights at kickers not being athletic <laughs> and why not? I'll tell you what, if you can find a safety who can fly around and bomb a four-second kickoff like that, you'd be remiss not to put him at kicker. Is uh, is Jack Easterby thinking about maybe putting him a kicker over there? Or what has Jack Easterby been up to this trade game? <laughs> I, don't, we're not, I don't think anyone around here is allowed to talk to Jack Easterby anymore. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Only God. more quotes out of that guy. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we're allowed to. Uh, I, I'll tell you what. I think I see him anonymously quoted. I'll put it to you that way. I do, <laughs> I do the anonymous quotes that I'm like. I think I know who said that. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, Jack, Jack's uh, as far as they're concerned, Jack doesn't have anything to do with anything in the organization anymore. Which I just that's not true. But okay, ladies and gentlemen, from his car in the middle of a dog walk, I believe two of them, Toasty and Coach. We can't thank you enough. Senior NFL insider and reporter for Yahoo Sports, Charles Robinson. So sorry to interrupt, but I want to let you know that if you're not gambling with FanDuel, you're wrong. Okay, FanDuel Sportsbook is available in uh, seven states, I believe, at this point. Uh, Six, seven, eight. You get it. If you're not gambling with FanDuel Sportsbook, though, you're completely wrong. And if we're not in your state yet, we are coming to your state. We have better odds. We have a much easier to use app. The convenience is next level. The people at FanDuel actually refund people when they shouldn't refund people, giving back hundreds of millions and millions of dollars to their users. Users. FanDuel Sportsbook is the best sportsbook going for a lot of reasons, most of them what I just said. 
Uh, we are very thankful for our partnership with FanDuel, obviously. There are so many different ways to win. There's more things to bet on. Their boosts seem to always hit, which is just fucking themselves over time and time again. Uh, we love the hell out of FanDuel Sportsbook, and you will too. If you haven't used it yet, use it now. Also, there's fantasy on there, daily fantasy, and free-to-play games where you can win money. Shout out to FanDuel. Shout out to you. Let's get back to the show. Yesterday's golf was fucking up. So, obviously, the cable has not worked at my house the last five days. (laughs) Come on. Yeah, classic. When you need it, it's not available. When I don't need it, that some bitch will run clear as day. Jay moved out. Think he snipped the wires on his way out of the door <laughs> while eating his sandwich, whatever the case is. So I had been using Apple TV, and there's an NBC thing on there where I could only watch the NBC channels. So it was actually pretty perfect. And the only thing I could watch was the golf tournament, basically, for most of the day. So it almost ended up perfectly. Now, through the first nine... And then 10, 11, it was rather boring, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. 14th hole, when DeChambeau and the uh, commentators continued to harp on this, but it was real. With DeChambeau and Patrick both scoring mightily, I mean, they were playing great golf, yeah. as was everybody. The course was set up. And I heard a couple of the commentators say, the members aren't going to be happy with this score. It's like, well, the members need to fuck off because I enjoy <laughs> watching people dominate golf courses. I, I, I might be in the wrong here. I'd much rather see an eagle putt than a triple bogey putt. Okay, that's just how I am. I can go on any course and give them triple bogeys, double bogeys if you have to, but it's always like the members want it to be a hard course. The members want it to be hard. Whatever the case, they were balling. Whenever he says, Patrick, can you stop walking? I was so happy. (laughs) Patrick, can you? Something negative has been something that has been said to me my entire life. (laughs) So I understood that. Patrick Cantley probably understood where he was coming from, but them making it a rather big deal and saying, hey, listen, uh, he just basically called out Patrick Cantley and then Cantley answers and DeChambeau and the drama of that back nine was beautiful between those two. But it wasn't even close to what happens when they get to sudden death extra holes. They said, we're going to go 18, we'll go 18 again, then we'll go to 17 if we have to, then we'll go back to 18 whenever they were getting to it as they're riding on their golf carts up the fairway for the 18th hole. And we could have never guessed what we would have seen. Two of the greatest golfings I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Answering, both of them. OB on one shot, then answering back with an incredible shot. Patrick Cantley's putter was maybe the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. His nerves frozen today. I have no idea how his body generated and created these types of things. Great for golf. Great for me as a viewer. And I'm not sure if you're a PGA fan or a FedEx playoffs person, anything better could have happened last night. That was un believable to watch and i am such a big fan of both of these men now after it yeah how can we get playoff golf in like every single match that goes on because when it really is just hole for hole whoever wins the hole wins it is electricity and that last putt on the sixth playoff hole from cantlay after d or before dechambeau misses his little birdie putt that was even closer than cantlay's i mean it was absolute electricity the people were going nuts too it's good to have crowds back there as well when it ascended to sudden death, Patrick Cantley had to bury like a 30-foot <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. And, pe- and they were just acting as if it was just casual. They, like, oh, he makes another one, and the place goes. Hey, there was some sacks of shit in, in the crowd. 
I think they were getting their little baba buoys out a little bit too early yeah. on a couple of different situations. First playoff hole, Patrick Cantley in the middle of the fairway, and there's millions, hey! millions of dollars on the line here. Literally. Yeah. Every single shot, millions of dollars on the line. And I think he was in his backswing when some jackass did a baba buoy or whatever and yeah. then he hit it. And everybody's like, no, the video and audio are delayed. It's like, well, then how come everybody else's sound came, it seems like, a half a second after that? There's some jackasses out there who I'm sure are watching this show right now who got intoxicated and just, you know, probably didn't even know what they were doing. There is so much on the line there. And Patrick Cantley didn't bitch at all Mm-mm. about it. But if he hits a bad shot there and oh. DeChambeau wins, like... You know what I mean? And we miss out on that entire six run because one drunk out there has to scream something. It's just like, come on, for the good of the game. For the good of the game out there. But I loved it. Great environment. Good golf. I wish they would have held off and not uh, screamed in the middle of the backswing, but I enjoyed the hell out of golf yesterday. Well, and to your point, too, about the millions of dollars on the line there, too, like because Cantlay won, now he has a two-shot lead next yep. week for the FedEx Cup, and that's $15 million yep. on the line. So, like, if he, yeah, if if he plugs one into the water or, you know, go, goes OB with that shot, like, he would have a legitimate gripe. And I think they said that Bryson's four-day total was the lowest score ever to uh, to not win that weekend. If he makes that putt for a 59, oh, oh man, he wins. Yeah. yeah. Could you imagine if someone yelled in his backswing too? <laughs> what, what the reaction would have been from him? I think it, somebody did. He actually stepped off the ball. Really? Yeah. There was a time where he was going to go and he backed up. And then that was, he goes back in. And that's whenever I did the D. Bro just called game because he had the most violent, the most violent club twirl <laughs> I've ever seen. Yeah, that thing rolls up to six feet or five feet or whatever while uh, Cantley was, I think, like 30, 40 feet away. Then he misses the putt, and somehow Cantley's putt gets in there. That was just great golf. Really, really good golf. Big shout-out to both of them and to the PGA for giving us an incredibly entertaining afternoon, which led into last night where we watched. I enjoyed the Showtime presentation. I enjoyed – the way they did some behind-the-scenes stuff. I enjoyed the way they actually took Jake Paul serious as a boxer, Mm -hmm. it felt like. And obviously, he's very young in his boxing career. And the first couple, we have called into question the production and the people that are on microphones uh, for the way they're talking about the person that is feeding them at that moment. moment. Uh, The reason why they are having a job and speaking at that moment, I'm not saying in general, but in that night, Normally, it was because of a Paul brother and the way these people were speaking as if they had to put on for the combat community. This is a joke. This is bad for boxing. But I will accept a paycheck while being here to talk about it. It was a little bit of a hypocritical. I think Showtime this time, completely different. I think the show was very much like, hey, Jake Paul was a Disney guy. Then he was a YouTuber. And then he found boxing. And now they treated it as if it was a much different chapter of his life as opposed to just being the same part of it. I appreciated that. Tyron Woodley, I didn't know much about him before this weekend. I love that man. I love Mama Woodley as well. I'm a big fan of hers. I like that her and uh, Jake's mom are hugging it out. And then I like the fight lineup as well. That Montana love fight was electrifying. Serrano, awesome. 
I think cutting to Dave and Big Cat who were going through their struggles picking fights because they didn't know anybody. Else. Like I thought it was just a great night. I thought it was a great night. Ariel Helwani, kind of a douche, but friend sure, of the show. Sure. Mm-hmm. He had a hell of a weekend. I mean, the way they handled it. I just think job well done by everybody over there at Showtime. Yeah, for yeah. An incredible event. 16000 plus at Rocket Mortgage. I don't think they should have had the hard cam on the stage. No. I think they should have had the hard cam on the crowd because the crowd was so big. It kind of looked small there at the beginning. And then once they zoomed out and showed the crowd, it was amazing. I, I absolutely loved everything about it. Yesterday while watching golf, I thought to myself, I got to start golfing more so I can become a professional golfer. This looks cool. And then while I was watching this, it was like, I got to start virtual reality boxing more because this looks cool. So as I was in my COVID cave, I can't thank the people at Showtime enough for an incredible show. And there was a couple times while the commentators, Mauro Ronaldo is an absolute rock star, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, legend. The amount of emotion he has spilled through microphones while calling events, whether it's mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, boxing, big moments, whatever the case, Mauro Ranallo is always going to show up. There was somebody with him who I'm sure is high respected in the boxing world, but as that doofus was stumbling through about five to six sentences a couple of different times, I thought to myself, they got microphones literally right now on Ariel Helwani, Dave Portnoy, and Big Cat. Three of the best talkers on earth. Why is this doofus speaking? I guess I should not be taking shots at that guy. He's probably a great guy. He just seemed to get lost in numerous times. People think I'm a doofus as well. I just thought, why not just put... I thought they were going to be on the call the whole night, by the way. So I did thought I. Was rough and rowdy. So did I. Yep. I was very surprised actually you know after i saw the the clips and everything i was like oh okay so that is all that they're using them for yeah and by the way i appreciate that good i laughed my ass off yeah watching them you know have to explain to people who don't know who they are who they are basically (laughs) (laughs) big cat I am a stupid person. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> while wearing a suit on Showtime is maybe one of my favorite moments I've ever seen and, and captured and everything like that. But I thought they were going. I thought this was rough and rowdy. I yeah. thought they were on the call with Mauro Ronaldo. I was super pumped, but I enjoyed the whole thing. Congrats to Jake Paul. A lot of people, obviously, it was trending for like ten hours. Rigged was trending. Rigged was trending or whatever. But hell of a fight by these two, and I'm so pumped for the event because. We needed it. NFL football is not for 10 more days. I think it was a beautiful Sunday night over there. Yeah, and it seems like there will be a rematch. They said after the fight, it was a little back and forth. Hilwani right in the middle. Uh, Jake Paul said, if you get the I love Jake Paul tattoo on your leg, we will have a rematch. He said, bet they shook on it. I don't know if he has the tattoo now. Jake Paul said they had the artist in the uh, arena ready to go, so possibly already has the tattoo on his leg, but it was awesome. And finally, you got to really see Jake Paul fight. I feel like none of his fights have really gone that far, and that was kind of the boxing community's thing was, oh, well, he has, he's never even boxed more than three rounds. He went the full eight. He looked good in all of them. Uh, he got rocked once in the fourth round, but he came back and, you know, he performed. It was awesome to see. I think there's no way anybody can't respect him now as a boxer, especially Woodley. And Hilwani did say, you got to think, is Tyrone Woodley's legacy on the line here in the last round so hopefully there is that rematch and maybe a knockout some fireworks because me and I assume a lot of others were just hoping for one of the two to get dropped but it, it went the distance it was a good fight 
Well, that's what boxing is. You're watching for somebody to get dropped. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just like you don't, don't feel bad at all. That's what we're all watching for yeah. is to see that. That that Montana love fight with the Russian, we talked about it a couple of times. It was fucking awesome boxing. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it was all, especially because the Montana love story, 16 months in jail for drugs and grand theft. And then he comes out on the other side, flashing bucks and says, hey, it's my time. Strap me the fuck up. He said, I like that. If that's how we turn. Is that how boxing is always termed? Like, give me a championship opportunity because I love it. Like, hey, strap me the fuck up is what somebody says when they want to become champ. I love that. Yeah. I absolutely love that. I just thought it wasn't a sideshow. No. There was good boxing. There was great entertainment. The Now, you said that Jake Paul looked good. There was a couple middle rounds there where he looked like he was out of it a little bit. But then he seemed to regain his composure and catch his second wind. I think Woodley should be fighting Logan, not Jake again. I think Jake's way too early in his process to be doing rematches. Mm, like I, yeah. I think there has yeah. to be somebody else. I, but I don't know the business as well as they do. I, I just appreciate both of them going out there and swinging at each other for a bit. Well, Connor just mentioned that he thinks a lot of people now like have to respect it. Do you do you think that is the case? Do you think people are coming around on him, or do you think they still like no matter what he does, unless he you know wins a title or something like that, people are always just going to be like, oh, he he's just the sideshow clown who comes in and sells a bunch of tickets and runs his mouth. Like, do you think people actually respect his boxing talent and acumen now? I mean, I think that's what boxing is, right? And I was thinking of this. I don't want to say sideshow clown as boxing, but moving tickets and moving pay per view. Like, I like the fact that they treated Jake as a boxer this time. Right. Yeah. Like, they treated him as a boxer in the coverage. The narrative was that he was a boxer, as opposed to, this is celebrity boxing. And then, as I was in my COVID class, I started thinking to myself even more, like, is it all boxing, just celebrity boxing? Because the bigger your celebrity, the bigger the event. Yeah. And Floyd Mayweather, is he not a celebrity? Tyson Fury, is he not a celebrity? Deontay Wilder, is he not a celebrity? I don't understand the fact that he is popular as that why that is the reason why everybody wants him out of boxing because I thought that was the purpose of boxing. And I think Showtime presented it in a way that was much more professional than it had been in the past, even including what Showtime had done in the past mm -hmm. with the Paul brothers. So I loved it. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Now, I wasn't allowed to leave my house. So I was definitely going to watch that regardless. Yeah. Sure. But I wanted to be there. It mm. seemed electric in there. I mean, it seemed absolutely electric in Rocket Mortgage. Job well done. Can't thank you enough for allowing us to penetrate your ear holes. Big thanks to our guests for their time today, for the boys, for their effort, and for all of you. Hashtag end of pod squad. Let's keep tweeting about where we're listening, how we're listening, what's going on. Ty will pick a few randoms. Send out some free merch. You're the best people on earth. I am grateful until my dying day to all of you that you allow us to be a part of your Monday through Friday schedule. If you enjoyed this, please be a friend, tell a friend. If not, just act like it never happened and fuck off. All right, Ty, please play some independent music and propel these people into a beautiful Monday night. We're back manana. Cheers.